Hello and welcome to the e-commerce playbook podcast. My name is Andrew Ferris. Thanks so much for joining me on another episode of the show today, talking about something that I don't I don't know if I've ever done quite in these terms before. Uh, we have been talking a lot recently at CTC uh, about uh, building revenue peaks into your cal- into your marketing calendar and, and how to sort of plan your year around those uh, sort of big picture content calendar strategy. Uh, but I want to take um, a moment, actually zoom in a little bit from there. We're, we're going to talk about that a little bit, but um, but I also want to zoom in from there and talk about when you actually get to the moment of launching a sale or a product launch or whatever, uh, how to do that as effectively as possible, how to actually execute that down to the mechanics of it, what drives value in those moments and how to think from everything from what products you're selecting to how to build an offer to how to tell your customer service team about it um, and make sure they don't get left out. So uh, I think this will be useful to you. Hang in. Let's not delay it any any longer. Let's jump right in. Stay tuned. So like I said in the intro, this is a, this is a subject that I don't know if I've ever really talked about before and sort of laid out. So this is going to be a pretty highly tactical episode. Um, You know, I know I feel like I've gone back and forth recently between sort of broader observations about things I'm seeing in the market and then the more sort of tactical stuff. Hopefully they're both helpful to you. Um, but like I said, uh, 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 something I think that I've, um, I've understood that the way that I operate in this is sort of becoming second nature to me, um, but may not be to you. So, um, so hopefully this is some help to you. Um, and you can kind of get a sense of, how best to take advantage of a sale. So let's get into it. Um, and not just a sale, any promotional moment. This can, you know, there's going to be ways to tweak this. And I'll just say, I'm thinking about this through the lens of promotions in terms of sales. Uh, Cause I think for most e-commerce brands, that's, that's where this ends up being the most important, but, um, uh, or, or the most common use, but uh, you could really uh, tweak this to work for product development and for, in terms of product releases or uh, just anything that's a big moment in your calendar. So, um, actually, that's a perfect segue. So let's talk about uh, let's talk about uh, calendar first. So I'm gonna what I'm gonna actually do is give you sort of five elements of executing uh, a great promotional moment, and I'll give you them in two in five uh, categories. And in each one of those categories, um, I'm gonna lay out a bunch of different stuff. So the first of those categories is sort of big picture strategy, including your calendar. Okay, uh, so sort of from the broad step back, thinking about how promotional moments play into your calendar um, and how you think about strategy here in general, okay? Um, and so the very first thing to think about here is the, is your year-long marketing calendar, right? And um, I, I'm gonna lean on some work that Taylor Holiday has done that I really like, uh, where it called Four Peaks Theory. And the notion is this, for most brands, you have sort of two obvious promotional moments in your calendar year where the sort of calendar lends to the promotion. One of those is holiday, Black Friday for for pretty much, you know, not every brand, but for almost every brand. And then the other one is typically Mother's Day or Father's Day or graduation or back to school or something. One of those kinds of things, uh, again, depending on your brand, could be January if you're like in the health space, uh, New Year, New You kind of stuff. But there's typically one other one that sort of is obvious, okay? Um, the thing is, <clears throat> there's some places in the calendar where this is obvious, but... Uh, there are other places where uh, you should just make bend of the calendar to you. 
And uh, particularly, I like the idea of thinking about this, as Taylor has said, and we'll link to this article to, to an article sort of unpacking this idea more in the show notes. Um, but it's called Four Peaks Theory. And the notion is you should be trying to build four peaks into your marketing calendar, basically one per quarter. And there's a couple reasons for that. Um, so the, the first of those is from, and, and a lot of what I'm going to say really comes from, from my background, having moved from just the growth side to a, to a CEO role where I'm interacting across the company with finance and operations and supply chain and logistics a little bit more. Um, because part of executing a great sale and part of the way actually to make your whole team love you for having a great moment as opposed to being frustrated because of all the work you're putting on their plates is to actually plan your sale in concert with um, the whole rest of your business. And this is something I think marketers can sometimes struggle with, but uh, finance matters, supply chain matters, customer service matters, demand planning, all these things play in. So just think about this. Um, is, you know, if you have two big moments in your calendar year, in your marketing year, uh, those moments now you typically have to outlay cash to have enough inventory on hand for those moments. And you have to forecast those moments and demand plan in the inventory buying as well as possible. Otherwise, you run the risk of forecasting too big of a moment and then um, and and you know outlaying a bunch of cash for inventory and then not moving enough of it or forecasting too small of a moment and you don't have enough inventory to really take advantage of this moment you've built into your calendar. Now, there's a reality where, especially the first couple times you do this, that's going to happen. Okay, it just is. It just is. Nobody can for predict the future perfectly. But um, over time, you can get this better. And the thing is, if you are doing this over two big moments, then it means if you're sort of, if those two big moments are uh, generating huge portions of your revenue, then it means you have to have huge cash outlays for those moments. If instead you're running four moments throughout the year, well, first of all, you're going to get better at doing these things. Okay. But secondly, um, you're also going to have more opportunities to move inventory that's um, that's uh, that's not moving uh, out of your warehouse, turn that inventory into cash. Um, you're going to have more opportunities to think through, um, or you're going to be able to demand plan better as you get better at it, and you'll also um, not have such high peaks and low lows. So at FC Goods, this was a big problem for us at 4 by 400 because Father's Day and uh, Holiday were our two big moments, and that was kind of it because it was such a gift brand. And it became very hard for us to predict year over year, especially in early growth stages of the business, how much inventory we would need. And so we, what we pretty much did consistently was ran out of inventory and missed our ability to maximize those moments. Um, so Four Peaks really helps. Four Peaks also does another thing, um, which is that it, uh, and this is, again, a phrase straight from the, the way that Taylor talks about this that I really like, which is it fills the sponge. Um, by which I mean, by having more moments in your calendar where you um, are acquiring customers aggressively in some way, you now have more customers in your total customer file for your biggest moments, uh, for example, for Black Friday. So by running Four Peaks, you can actually make the biggest moments bigger because uh, because now you're continuing to... Um, to create moments that convert new customers, turn them into repeat customers over those times. Um, and uh, that's not the only way we're going to talk about filling the sponge. There's another way to talk about that. We'll get to later when we get to the ad side of things. Um, but that's that can be really helpful. So you build your customer file, um, including especially if you're going to have promotional moments. Now, I like the idea very much of making sure Black Friday stays as your biggest moment. Um, and if you, you know, maybe you have one other one that's really big. So I'm not saying they all have to be the same. 
Okay. Uh, I think you should be having some higher peaks than others. Okay. But, uh, but by thinking that way, uh, will allow you to have regular touch points, regular marketing moments. And, and there's one other benefit here, which is that it also gives you a reason to email people, to send SMS, to, to run ads around this, and therefore to just sort of stay top of mind for people. So we started at Slick realizing, um, a while back when, when we were running Slick that, um, that uh, sales were a really big part of how to generate revenue for that customer, that, that the customer was responding um, really, really well to sale moments. And so we moved from a couple of big sale moments a year and being really careful about it to like six. And we saw the opposite effect. Um, what happened was those big moments just wouldn't get as big because they were too frequent. And so um, four ends up fitting this uh Four ends up fitting really nicely, I think, where once every few months you're having a big moment, but at the same, but you're not constantly bombarding people with sale offers and and discounting your brand too heavily in the process. Now, four is still a decent amount, um, but look, there are lots of good brands that discount and um, and so on. So again, if you're not a if you're not a brand who's willing to discount, no problem. You can you should still be thinking about. Then you have to get more creative now, and be a better marketer in some ways. Um, but to be able to think about sort of how to really create um, a massive moment. Uh, for your brand. Okay, so that's the first thing is four peaks. Now we belabored that a little bit, but it's a really crucial idea. Okay. Secondly, I want you to think about who your sale is for. I want you to think about who your sale is for. Is it primarily for customer acquisition or for customer retention? Um, and if it's for customer acquisition, um, there's a different way of thinking about that than for customer retention. That's going to guide so much of how big of a discount you give, what products you discount. Let me give you an example. Um, I saw a sale the other day for a client that, um, that, that, cl that for a client that has one main SKU. Okay. And that one main SKU is the main way they're acquiring customers. They do have plenty of other SKUs in their SKU set. It's just, it's just not the main SKU that they're going to use for their customer acquisition. And so they ran a sale, a relatively short offer where this, where they took a second, um, sort of what I would say is a second tier SKU of theirs. It's just never going to drive volume the way that their main SKU is, um, and they discounted that. They did like a buy two, get one free kind of deal. And um, and when they discounted that, they really made a point of emailing customers about that issue. And what happened was they sold a bunch more of that secondary SKU to, to uh, past customers than they did before. Now, we didn't even really run ads for, for that product. We... We did, it just wasn't worth doing because, why? Because the, the product was aimed, the sale was aimed at retention. It was aimed at um, taking customers and generating more value from them from a brand that has one really super dominant SKU. And so uh, and so in that respect, it worked, it worked really well. It accomplished what they wanted to do. The returning customer revenue over that period of time doubled from what it had been in the previous week. They, they really were able to do that. And it was almost all off of this second SKU. So by putting an offer on a second tier SKU, they did a really good job. One thing I love about that offer too, by the way, is that it allows you to run a discount without discounting your main product. Um, and so uh, it's a reason to come back and that, and that can, I think, have a really good effect on the brand because customers know like what is the main product versus what's a secondary product um, and so on. Uh, okay, so so know who you're op know who you're running this for. Now, if you were trying to massively acquire new customers, if you were that same brand, what would you do? Well, you would instead discount that main product probably, and you would discount it to a decent level and a decent number, and you would run ads leading up to it. And we'll talk more about that in a second. Uh, but that's the way you would think about um, the the, this, the organization of the sale a little bit differently, and you would build the offer a little bit differently because of that. So 
There you go. Uh, for Bamboo Earth, right? We might have thought about discounting minis versus full size. And are you are you doing kits versus something else on the site? And that that would be maybe something where you think, well, it depends who you're trying to acquire customers for. If you for Bamboo Earth, if you really wanted to uh, to give a to, to do something that was really acquisition focused in your in your offer, well, what you might do is discount your 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 skin quiz custom mini kit a little bit more than you usually would, and uh, try to drive a bunch of volume that way, right? Versus uh, big discounts on full size or second tier products or that kind of thing. So, um, so know who, who your know who your discount is for, and uh, and then organize it accordingly, uh, and then track the results accordingly too. Be be able to say afterwards we accomplished the thing we wanted to accomplish specifically. That's going to change your revenue expectations. All those things again. In the example I gave earlier, that brand that did a sort of a second tier skew um, for that brand. Um, you know, it didn't blow the doors off. The sale, the sale that they ran on the second tier skew didn't blow the doors off. It was a more marginal gain. That's fine. They weren't, I don't think they were expecting to blow the doors off with that sale um, because it wasn't that main skew. All right. Two other elements of, of uh, sort of strategy, big picture that I want to talk about here. First is urgency. Um, something that I see happen far too often is brands run sales for too long. They let their sales go for a week or two weeks or whatever, and they end up having a nice first day and they end up having a nice end of it, but they end up at the same time sort of losing steam on the sale so much and extending things out when they just didn't really need to. On on the other hand, um, I am like, I, again, for another client at one point, I, I recently saw a client have a one day only sale and it was so effective because it was just so clear that um, in fact, it blew all of our expectations away when we ran it because, uh, because, and I think the main reason was it was so clear that this was your only chance to take the offer. And so you go and you buy and you don't think about it that long. And when the offer is going to be gone and it's going to be gone and that's that the, the urgency on a sale really matters. It matters in all your messaging as well. And that's just something we'll say for everything else we say, um, build that urgency into the offer, put a timer and a countdown on landing pages, do anything you can uh, to build a, a short sale and go from there. I wouldn't go much longer than, say, four days. I think the Black Friday to Cyber Monday thing works really, really well. Um, even when you get to that moment, I know it has become popular for a lot of brands to start sales really early and there's all kinds of reasons for that. I just am not sure that's really the best way to do it. And what I would rather do there, even in that moment, is run your sale from, say, turn it on on Thursday night, that's fine, um, and then kill it on Monday evening at the end of the day. Um, what you will see when you do that is a big take rate on the very beginning of the sale as a bunch of people take it. And then at the very end of the sale, you'll see people kind of grab it on the last chance. And that, by the way, is the ultimate indication that urgency matters. Because if you send an email, we'll talk more about this too. If you send an email when there's three hours left on the sale, it will uh, give you a meaningful bump in end of the day revenue. Uh, the way the revenue, if you, so for on a one day sale, for example, the revenue curve will look like this. You'll have a big spike when you launch and you first send out your first emails and all those kinds of things. And then it'll kind of come down throughout the middle of the day. And then as the sale's about to end, you'll have another big spike at the end of the day. Well, why does that happen? Because people are realizing it's their last chance to take the deal because they might not have seen your first email because there's a million emails in their inbox and they're not thinking about your brand all the time the way that you are and so on. And so they'll go and take that offer and the more urgency there is, the higher the conversion rate on that customer list is gonna be. So build urgency into the offer. Um, that also will protect you from sort of going super discounty all the time unless that's, again, unless that's sort of part of your core brand strategy. And lastly, um, I love the idea of running a sale with exclusivity. Um, 
Do what you can to make it so that people get exclusive offers in some way. At FC Goods, for example, we had a list of VIP customers where we said, hey, if you want first pick of our limited edition wallets, you have to be on this list um, and we'll give you this offer a day before anybody else. Okay, And you had to get on that list. And that list knew they were on there. They knew they had early access. They knew they were going to get a, the best offer and they would take on that. Uh, that was something we would do. Um, I've seen brands with paid memberships where they only offer deals to people who are part of the paid membership. Now, not every brand can do that, you know, and this is, I, I've seen this strategy debated in lots of different ways over time. Um, but it can really matter. It can really matter. And if you have some way of building that into your brand, then you can have exclusivity and make it so that, hey, if you're not on the paid membership, then, then you know, then you don't get offered, then you don't get access to our sales. And that's just kind of how it goes. So if you have a way to build that into your brand, I think it's, it's it can be really effective. You have to offer a lot of value for a paid membership. So you have to be ready to deliver on that. Um, but, you know, community, um, educational content, those things can all be part of it if that's native to your brand um, and so on. Uh, if, if you can do that, it really works. All right, that's big picture, okay? Just to recap, sorry, we're going, we're going, this might be a long one. We're going for a while here. Um, four peaks theory, know who your customer is, build urgency, build exclusivity. All right, number two, the offer. This is so crucial. This is so crucial, the offer. What kind of offer are you giving people? If it's a new product, if it's a discount, and so on. Uh, now, what I'll say here is that um, on a sort of big picture, Unless you have a super high AOV, what I'll tell you first is um, you probably need to discount at least 20% for it to move the needle. That's That seems to be the tipping point for most brands. Now, again, you can go lower than that. If you have a $2,000 AOV, 15% is $300, okay? So that can really make a difference, all right? Um, but, uh, you know, $300 off is real savings, okay? But but uh, otherwise, for most brands who are in a sort of more normal fifty to two hundred dollar AOV range uh, or whatever, then it then it really matters. Typically, you know, you really need to get to that twenty percent level for it to really move the needle. The the caveat there is, if you discount a lot and people know that you give up to forty percent off, then you probably have to go to fifty. Otherwise, I would say you don't need to go that high necessarily. And if you very very rarely discount or you very rarely go above a certain number people will know that, okay, if you go from 15 to 20, well, that's a huge offer for this brand, okay? Uh, so, um, so you got to probably think about that kind of number. Um, and, and, and importantly, um, I want, uh, it's really important to think through um, what you're trying to accomplish with that discount, particularly in terms of AOV. What is going to happen at a sale is that your conversion rate is going to go up because you're giving people an offer. But of course, your AOV theoretically should go down because you are taking dollars off the price of the product. And what you want to do is push your cart values up as people are buying more stuff. Because in that moment, if there's only three things that go, there's only three things that go into your revenue, right? Uh, visitors, conversion rate, and AOV. Uh, at any given moment, it's visitors, conversion rate, and AOV. So, um, what to drive the most volume possible, to drive the most revenue possible, you want to drive all three of those up. You want to get as many people there at as high of a conversion rate and as high of an AOV as possible, and that's what's going to ultimately amount to your revenue. The higher all of those are when you multiply them by one another, well, that's going to be uh, a bigger number. So. Think about AOV in your offer. And the way to do this, I think, is to build a hierarchy of products that are that is 
aimed at driving a hierarchy of offers that is aimed at driving AOV. This is where I will work against the, the sort of like 20% off site wide. For some brands, something like that works great and it can totally work and it can be easy, especially if you have a giant SKU set, those kinds of things. That can be totally great. Um, but I have consistently seen over time that, that giving your best offer on some subset of products that can be your feature deal at the top of a landing page um, that is aimed at a very high OV really works. The other thing is, and this we're going to talk more about this in a second, is that there is more margin to get back because this is the other problem, of course, with discounting, right? Is that you're going to eat into your own margins by discounting the product. Um, so the higher the AOV, the more you can work against that. Why? Because um, a big portion of e-commerce margin uh, is eaten up by shipping. And the more items you can ship uh, in, in a single order, the, the better it is for your, um, for your percentage margin costs. And I won't go too far into this right now because it's not the right time or place. But basically, um, uh, there's more expense on the, on the weight of products, uh, right? Like the, 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 uh, how heavy your order is. There's more expense on, on just sending the product out in the beginning percentage-wise than on adding stuff to the box, okay? Um, and then secondly, uh, that's also true in your warehouse typically. There's a processing fee for almost every brand where, you know, if you're paying a 3PL, uh, I said I wasn't going to go into this. I'm going to do it, but it's probably worth thinking about. Okay, uh, there's a processing fee. Maybe it's a buck or two or whatever for an order, and then there's a pick fee for every item you're putting into a box after that. Well, if you put together a bundle of products that is five product that has five things in it, you're going to pay that one dollar or two dollars or whatever processing fee. But then you're going to amortize that dollar uh, across um, all of the, the items that get picked afterwards for you know forty or fifty cents each or whatever it is depending on your warehouse deal, right? So it, it ends up being that that $1 looks smaller as a percentage against a larger order than, uh, than if you only have one thing in there. So um, you can get major margin savings by bundling a lot of products together um, and putting a larger discount on that and end up really planning for margin. I hope that made sense. Um, that's true mostly across the board. And now that leads into another element of this. Uh, so I love the idea, by the way, of building a landing page where the feature item, there's one sort of like, this is like the old car dealership trick where it's like there's one car that's super discounted on the lot. And um, and that's sort of the thing that gets you into the store, right? But actually, like you may or may not want that one car or in that case, it goes really quick and, and that's the only one there, but they've got you there now. And now you're looking at all the other cars as well. And maybe there's another offer you can take. So I love the idea of building one super offer on top of the page. Again, this is our sort of slick product strategy. We used to do this at Bamboo Earth where there'd be, you know, over a certain order amount, you get a, this extra uh, gift with purchase, those sorts of things. Um, there's a lot of ways to do this, but basically push the cart value up, push your best offer, your best savings on the highest cart value, and then message that on a landing page where the best offers at the top of the page and it's and goes down from there with offers that are getting a little worse um, as the cart gets smaller, uh, essentially. So individual products maybe are only 10% off, but some giant bundle is up to 50% off or whatever, depending on, depending on how you're doing this with your brand. And then a bunch of offers in between. Okay, so um, so that's the way that I would think about how to build these pages. Um, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll also put, um, in the show notes, uh, a link to a landing page sample that we used at slick that kind of lays this out for how this works. Okay. So you can see what I mean on the landing page there. 
okay, so two other things to consider with your offer. Number one, um, how much inventory do you have of these products? Do not, do not, do not massively discount products that you don't have very much of. Uh, there's no reason to do that. <laughs> Sell them at full price. Instead, um, um, instead, discount products that you have way too many of or discount products that have an informational or digital element to them where it does not even cost any money to, to stock them. There is limitless inventory and there is no cash outlay involved, those sorts of things. Um, it, consider your inventory. Again, work with your finance operations supply chain teams to, to figure out what the best products are to discount. Um, I, again, I worked on a sale once with a client where somebody on the logistics side said to me like, oh my gosh, you're going to kill me. You've got all these individual products that you're going to discount and you're going to provide these numbers on and oh my god it's going to it's so expensive for us to ship these and we don't even have that many of them and I stopped her and I said no we're not going to discount those because you're telling me you don't want to because you're telling me and those are those reasons that you don't want to are very good reasons so um so so be conscious of inventory and secondly as I said alluded to a second ago be conscious of margin uh, it's so important that you are thinking about how to preserve margin in an offer like this. The steeper that discount, the more margin you're taking away from yourself. So you better be building bundles that are that lend to better margin. Include in those bundles very high margin products. Um, don't include your super low margin stuff unless you absolutely have to to make it work for the customer. Okay. Um, but otherwise, go, go put your highest margin products in those bundles. So be conscious of margin, be conscious of inventory, because at the end of the day, you're probably solving for um, margin as a big, uh, or you're probably aiming at bottom uh, gross profit at the end as the measure of success here, not just top line revenue. And so being conscious of that gross profit really matters. And one thing I absolutely um, loved um, in a sale I ran relatively recently with a brand was that somebody immediately after the sale immediately put together a sheet saying, here's how much of each product we sold. Here's how much margin we had on each product. That way we could analyze the sale about what worked from a, from not just a top line revenue perspective, which everybody gets excited about, but actually from the perspective of, did we actually make money afterwards? Uh, how would we do this differently in the future to make sure that we do? Um, so, okay. So that's the way to think about the offer. Uh, aim, um, Build that AOV hierarchy. Make sure you're conscious. Um, you know, put your put that twenty percent plus mar, uh, discount on there. If you're running it, if you're running a discount, think about margin. Think about inventory. Ads. Let's talk about ads. Number three, ads. Uh, and there's two more after this. We'll talk about email and and then sort of um, sort of the operational elements of this. Number three, ads. Okay, this is a fairly simple uh, approach here. Um, the first thing to think about with ads is actually what happens before the sale. And let's come back to the fill the sponge analogy. Um, before you run a sale, and I've done this study a lot of different ways. Um, uh, before you run the sale, well, well let me, let's start with this. Men, ma, uh, most times that I have seen a sale be really effective, when I pull up a Facebook ad account, the, the place where most of the value is being driven especially when you think about um, actual margin at the end, not just total volume here, but actual margin at the end of the day, back in my pocket, is in remarketing and retention, um, especially remarketing for non-customers. So somebody who has not been a customer, but who is familiar with your brand is on your remarketing list and you remarket them with your offer. Those are the people who are already there that you are going to get a huge amount of the value on. We're going to run a four or five ROAS during a sale. Um, and and add, add some real volume. Uh, it is so important 
that you are aware that that is where that happens. Because what that means then is that leading up to the sale, you want to build up that remarketing list as much as possible. And you want it to be as recent as possible. Um, the other thing is if you break down these remarketing lists, uh, even among the people that you're remarketing, a huge amount of them are, are people who have been to your website in the last seven days. Um, or, and then, you know, another group that's, that does, that performs pretty well, uh, is like over the last 30 days. And then you keep extending that out. And the farther you extend that out, even though people might be familiar with your brand, they're sort of out of the consideration phase. They've decided they're not going to buy your product. And the discount is not really that big of a deal for them anymore. And so if you were to look at the ROAS of a bunch of remarketing lists, like people who've been to your website in the last two days are going to perform best. The last seven days are going to perform a little worse. The last 30 days are going to perform a little worse. The last 90 days are going to perform a little worse. The last 180 days are going to perform a little worse. The farther you get out, that's going to be the case, which means... The strategy is drive a bunch of traffic as much as possible in that week or so leading up to the sale. You're in the midst of that. You're going to be collecting a bunch of email addresses from those people as they get to your site and get to your pop-up. You're, you're going to be able to email them and tell them, hey, you, you found out about us at the exact right time. Uh, you're, you're going to uh, be able to have those people in a remarketing list with your advertising. It's crucial. And this is that fill the sponge analogy again. You know, the, the, the idea here is... Um, if you've got a sponge, you want to squeeze out as much water from that sponge as possible. Well, what do you need to do? You need to fill that sponge with water. At some point, you'll keep squeezing and the water will be gone and you won't be able to get any more water out of it. So the way to solve that is to get as much water in there as possible. Um, and that's that's the notion here. You want to get as much, you want to get as many customers into that sponge, so to speak, as you possibly can. So drive prospecting traffic for the week leading up to it push through bad ROAS numbers sometimes or uh, underperforming ROAS numbers and trust that you will um, that you will uh, drive revenue from those customers when the sale actually comes. Now, that you may need to, to do this. You may not want to blow this out the first time you try this in case you are wrong about when those customers come back. Maybe they don't take the offer because you designed it wrong or whatever, right? But again, if you're doing this from a Four Peaks perspective, then um, you should have the ability... Uh, or you should get good at figuring out sort of where that cutoff point is and when you should start driving traffic before a sale. I'll tell you this is especially important in Black Friday because um, you know once you get into November, once you get to that sale moment, CPMs are going to double. It's going to be very expensive to drive prospecting traffic at that key moment. So the trick is to drive uh, customers to your site for the month to 45 days leading up to it. For Black Friday, people are going to be more conscious that there's an offer coming and they're going to wait to buy, make a purchase from you. I do this every single year. Um, so um, it, starting in October even, maybe the middle weeks of October, um, start driving people to your site and uh, and getting some attention and staying with those people and make sure they know about your brand and make sure they've heard about it. That way when you get to your biggest offer of the year, they'll... Um, They'll make that point. As far as, um, or they'll, they'll make that purchase. As far as the creative in your um, in your digital advertising, uh, I, I think the key for most sales is just clarity. Put a big percentage off number on an ad that clearly shows your product and call it a day. You don't try and wow people with something that's going to be super creative and clever and all that kind of stuff. Just be clear. Just aim for clarity above everything else. Put the offer on, especially for remarketing. Put the offer on there next to the product and next to your brand name and tell people click on this and go buy it, essentially. That's really what you're trying to do. You're just trying to reinforce that. Maybe mention the urgency, uh, especially if it's a one-day offer. Um, but otherwise, that's that's really all you're trying to accomplish. So aim at clarity above absolutely everything else so people know 
this, this brand that I'm interested in is having a sale and I'm going to buy it from them. Uh, last note about ads. Um, if you are running ads to past customers, um, that can work, but I would set your ROAS target very high because what you also don't want to do, especially if you're going to email all those people all the time, what you also don't want to do is, um, is cannibalize your own margin by paying for that traffic. Whenever possible, make sure, and this is also where I'd set my attribution window on both remarketing and retention to a click-only window because you're going to email these people constantly over this time. So make sure that over that uh, period of time when you're emailing them that you know, you're know you not sending a bunch of emails and then Facebook uh, is putting ads in their feed at the same time and email's the thing that actually drives the purchase, but Facebook takes credit with the view attribution. It gets messy and you scale too much, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, what I would say is go with a narrow attribution window, go click attribution, uh, make sure the ad is driving the value and then set a very high target. You know, for me, like I really don't want to almost ever see um, past customers um, perform at lower than say a five to one. Uh, and that's, that's, that's even kind of the low, low end of that. Um, if I'm running a sale, I want to make sure that I'm really um, certain that I'm getting margin um, from those customers. Uh, otherwise it can just be um, uh, sort of spinning your wheels for no reason and, and end up costing you money uh, in the end. Okay. So let's move to email. Number four, email. Uh, email and SMS, I'm thinking about those in the same bucket here. And this is really a crucial part, maybe the crucial part of doing a great job with your offer. In some ways, everything about what you're doing is about building an ability to take advantage of this revenue channel. And the reason for that is that email and SMS, of course, is where you're going to end up um, getting essentially free access to customers, uh, you know, close to free uh, access to customers. Uh, who you've already paid for. And so if you're trying to drive profit and being able to drive revenue via this customer group is really crucial. So it's really important that you get this group right. Um, because if you have to win on ads for this moment, it's going to be really hard to to um, to make this a, a sustainable source of profit. Excuse me. All right. So let me tell you how I think about email and SMS in a situation like this. Okay. Um, number one, I want to think again about filling the sponge. Forewarn people that a sale is coming. Um, some people are afraid to do this because they, they think that, you know, it's going to cannibalize full price purchasers. It probably is a little bit, um, or it's going to tell people not to purchase for the next few days. It probably is. Um, and that's okay because ultimately you're going to try to drive enough volume and value that those customers who were going to purchase in the next few days are going to wait and they're actually going to buy more stuff, um, over, over your, over your sale. Um, plus all of these customers who had sort of not been paying attention to you or forgot about it. Like this is your way of reminding them of what's going to happen. So as a starting point, I'm going to send at least two forewarning emails, one probably a week out telling people the sale is coming. And then uh, another one, probably two to three days out uh, in advance, telling them the sale is coming. Um, that way I'm engaging with people, getting them back and ready to my brand, telling them, look out, this is coming, mark it down. And this leads to the next part. And one of my favorite things to think about in this and, and one of my favorite strategies here, I think I got this from Dave Recook or I don't, I don't remember who originally came up with this. Maybe it was Jacob Sappington. But, um, but this really works and uh, it's this. In those forewarning emails, it split your customer list by people who are signed up for your SMS list and people who are not. And um, take anybody who is not signed up for your SMS list and tell them, 
send them to a very simple SMS opt-in page and tell them, uh, if you want to make sure not to miss out on this sale, uh, sign up for SMS. And a significant number of customers will take that. They will do it. And the, the reason for that is pretty simple, which is that, uh, you know, like many of us, our email boxes are much, our email inboxes are much more cluttered than SMS. And so if they actually care about wanting to get the sale and you give them a good warning, you tell them what the offer is going to be and tell them about what time it's going to be. And especially if you build urgency in, so it's a short time offer, they're not going to want to miss the offer. And so now you've gotten the SMS. I recently ran one of these and saw um, the SMS group that opted in uh, to signing up for SMS in advance of the sale. That group um, uh, clicked through the SMS messages we sent at a 28% rate, 28% of those people clicked through. So it, it ends up giving you an incredibly powerful and incredibly good list um, that, that can really, really be effective. And you can build that list really fast. If you are having a hard time building your SMS list, this is a great way to, to juice that. Um, plus, you also now know something about these customers, which is that they're interested in a sale. Uh, and so uh, so this, this really works. The, the page that you can send them to can be so simple. Um, again, I can try and send you a, a, a let me, I'll put in the show notes here, um, uh, an example of what that page is. That way, you know, um, what that looks like. Uh, but it's really, really simple. You can connect that to your list, have people opt into SMS for the people who are already on SMS. I would think about any other way you can get them to engage more deeply with you, um, or, um, just remind them of what's, what's happening, uh, you know, you could even get them to re-opt into SMS, so that way, like, they sort of just take another step towards your their their SMS inbox, um, and and that can just be really effective. So, uh, so forewarn people and then push them to SMS. This will grow your list for sure. It will grow your SMS list. Uh, all right, uh, next for email and SMS, um, send more than you think. I am remain amazed. I remain amazed at how people are so nervous to email their list. Let me just free you from that, okay? Um, people signed up for your email list because they want to hear from you, first of all, um, or they or they you know want offers from you if you did like a ten percent uh, off as your opt in pop up or whatever. Um, so they they're they're doing that for a reason. And if they don't, you know what they will do? They will just ignore you or they will unsubscribe. And that's just fine because they weren't going to buy from you anyway, especially if they are not going to buy from you during a sale moment, right? If, if somebody ignores your emails or unsubscribes from your emails during a sale and you're emailing a lot during a sale and so they, they walk away, like they are very, they were not probably going to buy from you anyway if they're not going to take advantage of a sale. So it's fine. It's actually positive churn on your list uh, that they unsubscribe from that. Uh, as long as you're not getting huge amounts of being marked as spam, which most times you won't, uh, you'll be good. So, so a simple way to think about this is like for a one day sale, send in the morning, send, uh, send an email in the morning, send an email at night, send an SMS during the day. Uh, SMS costs money to send email doesn't. So, uh, a simple thing to do is send email first and then exclude anybody who has purchased from your SMS send. That way, uh, you're not paying needlessly, uh, when you're sending those texts, um, and, and then send again at night. That one thing that will do, by the way, also, um, is that uh, it will, that sort of like last chance email, and I recommend sending even one, at least one of these is a plain text email. You just get really high deliverability on plain text emails. So send one of them, uh, maybe with a friendly sort of tone. I like to do this for the last email of the day um, and say, hey, uh, hey, name, uh, just just wanted to make sure you didn't miss out on this sale. Um, 
here's a link back to our site. Hope you love it. Let us know if you have any questions. Uh, expires in a few hours. Um, thank you sincerely. We appreciate your support, etc. Make it really conversational, really friendly. Um, but uh, but send those emails in, to start the sale in the beginning. And if you're running like a four day sale, like at least two emails a day. No kidding, at least two emails a day. I have seen brands sending six emails in a day during a sale, and it just works. You just it's just you're gonna get people's attention, and it just works. Uh, so send a lot of email. Uh, don't worry about your open rate so much. Uh, first of all, open rate is a not even a uh, reliable metric right now because of Apple iOS changes. Uh, but secondly, not only don't worry about your open rate so much, but also um, uh, open rate is a vanity metric. Look, I can juice an open rate really, really easily. All I have to do is send my email to my most engaged segment from my most recent time period. You know what will happen? They'll open the email. Uh, and you'll have a really high open rate. But open rate is not the point of an email list. And it's hard because if you're in Klaviyo, like open rate is shoved in your face right away. And it's really hard to not respond to metrics that are shoved in your face. This is why you have to measure what matters. Uh, but open rate's a vanity metric. And I'm really not worrying about my open rate, you know, uh, for a long time uh, in an in, in email list until you're getting down towards, you know, 10, 15%, then, then I'm really concerned about it. So I'm going to send a pretty broad... Um, a pretty broad email at time. And I'm going to also reach, not only send a lot of emails, I'm going to reach deeper into my list than I usually would. Again, if you've got people who are, who are, if you're sending mostly to customers who are engaged on your list, you know, maybe somebody who's been on your list in the last 90 days or whatever it is. Um, great. If that's kind of your usual send, that's, that seems pretty reasonable to me. That said, uh, why not um, at this moment send to everybody on your list for at least one of the emails? You might want to break them up in your sends so you can really see how each list performs. But some group of those people will open the email, some little group, and that will re-engage them and pop them back into your engagement segment and you'll get their attention again. You'll have some chance. And again, if they're not going to open or click or buy during this sale, then feel free to suppress them after the sale because they are not customers who are interested in your um, product anymore and therefore let them go you know, or give them a warning that you're going to let them go and then let them go. Um, so this can actually be a way to weed out bad, uh, bad emails from your list, clean your list and have some positive churn there. Um, as far as the creative clarity above all clarity above all, make sure that your, uh, emails are very clearly promoting the best offers and telling people click and buy. Don't give them an essay about it. Don't give them an essay about it. Unless it's a promo where it's like a, product launch and their story behind it or a, a charity giveaway or something like that where you really need to give that kind of information. Um, but if it's, if it's clear clarity, just, um, or if, if it's a, if it's a discount and if it's a, it's a promotional moment like that, um, be clear above everything else. All right. That's email and SMS. Lastly, uh, number five, fifth bucket here is plan. And it's so funny. Um, again, I, I had a conversation. I remember having a conversation once with with uh, some team members who had not really ever seriously planned a sale before. Uh, There's just, you know, e-commerce teams a lot of times are pretty small marketing teams and everybody's strapped for time. And so things just kind of go haywire and go all over the place. But I, I want to encourage you to really plan here. In advance, put all in one Google sheet, all of the emails you're going to send. Get time, give people a 
couple week warning at least on time to write and design those emails. A landing page. Put this all in one project, in Asana or Trello or Notion or whatever it is that you're using, Basecamp, um, in one project where people can see all the moving parts. Here's what we're doing on the website. Here's what we're doing on social. Here's what we're doing on email. Here's what we're doing on ads. Here's all the stakeholders. I like to build those projects to start. I'm not a good project manager in general, but I'll do it for this. Um, and then save the template for the future. And then after you save that template, um, the first thing I do is when I build that project, the very first thing I have everybody do is check off a task that says I have read and reviewed and I'm committed to all the elements of this so that everybody kind of puts buy-in to the timelines and due dates you've given them. Uh, so build that whole thing out on a shared project, have a meeting, go over it, make sure everybody understands the point of the sale, you know, to go all the way back to the first thing I brought up here, they understand who it's for, why you're building the offers the way you are, what the urgency is. Um, all of those kinds of things say, are you good? Are you good? Get your operations, supply chain people on there. And here's a really important thing. Get your customer service team there. I can't tell you how many times I've watched brands run sales and like the marketers just never tell the customer service people that it was coming. Um, give those people a brief, give the customer service people a brief about what the offer is, how somebody gets it, whether it's a discount code or not a discount code or whatever it is. Uh, all of those things, put it into one thing. And then in that project, do this. Give people clear tasks with dates and times to check off for launching every element of the sale and for taking down every element of the sale. This is something people easily miss. So for example, if, um, you are, if you're changing your homepage banner for the sale, um, then have a task in there for whoever controls that part of the website to put up the homepage banner and then have another task for them to take it down when the sale ends and to switch back to your evergreen banner, okay? Um, if you are... If you, are, if you have discount codes that are live on your site, right, you might want to have somebody have a task to deactivate all the discount codes before the sale. That way people aren't double stacking their discounts. And then to go and activate the codes again after the sale. If you're posting on Instagram, maybe what you want to do is post in your feed, here's the sale offer, and then delete the post afterwards um, so that you know it's more only evergreen content in your feed for the long term as people come to your brand and scroll, whatever. All those elements of... Um, of the sale, give people clarity in advance, schedule a meeting, have a brief, go through it, get everybody involved, have the whole thing detailed out in a project, uh, and then uh, give everybody the chance to walk through it. At the end, give everybody details about it from there. Your team will feel better about it. It will reduce chaos. And then when you inevitably have things that you know you could have done better. When you do your analysis and say, oh, this offer didn't work or whatever. You do a post-mortem meeting and you just put that stuff all into the template for the next time. Oh, you know what? We forgot to send this email and we should have or we sent too much email or these ads didn't work at all and we blew money here. Okay, great. Now that goes into your next template um, and and now you can go and do this again. Plan it clearly. Get everybody bought in. Give people a healthy timeline. It will work better if you plan better. All right, bit of a bit of a long one today. There's a lot to go through there. It's funny. I started writing this, and I thought oh, I've got like five things to say here. And then as I started writing on my whiteboard, all the different stuff I would bring up, I realized, man, there's all these moving parts to this um, from a strategic perspective and a mechanical perspective um, of kind of getting it all right. We didn't even talk about organic social or influencers or any of those things. There's a lot of other stuff that you could think about doing. But to me, what I just gave you, I hope, is the core of a, of a strategy here um, to to make this work. So. Um, 
So hopefully that's, again, as always, hope that's some help to you um, and, and to your execution of a sale. Uh, again, check the show notes. I, I should have a few things in there that can help you um, see kind of some of the stuff that I'm talking about. Uh, as always, if this was useful to you, if this is useful to your team in some way, uh, I would be so grateful if you pass this along, if you rate, if you review, all those things. Um, and you can find me on Twitter at Andrew J. Ferris, F-A-R-I-S. I'd love to talk to you there. Tweet at me publicly, DM me, anything like that. Let's talk about what is useful to you and interact about it. I always love when that happens. Uh, get other people in the conversation because somebody else has got something to add that I didn't think of. So I'm sure I left some stuff out, but that's um, hopefully enough to get you really going. A well-executed sale a few times a year, a well-executed product launch promotional moment a few times a year can be a massive boost to your brand. So um, hopefully, again, like I said, this can help you make the most out of every one of those moments. And um, good luck to you as you go and do that. And I will see you next time on the show.